Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Open your Bibles or, of course, right there in your bulletin to Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 14 through 28. Uh, depending on which kind of branch of Presbyterianism or Reformed Church you talk to, either uh, I'm doing what you're supposed to do as a Reformed Christian or I'm being a little risque because um, we're, not, we're not doing an Advent sermon series. We're just going to keep trucking through Luke. Of course, Luke is all about Jesus, which is what Christmas is about, so I think it's going to work out. Um, we'll still have our Advent moments, you know. Um, but we're going to keep going through Luke chapter um, 11. So... Uh, Many of y'all know this uh, by now, but so my youngest brother, John Morgan, is a primitive Baptist, right? And um, in their tradition, at least at his home church, uh, they have what most of us would call two sermons per, per worship service. And, and so when I visited after my brother preached the first one, I was kind of starting to collect my stuff and kind of get things together, re- getting ready to be dismissed when then the senior pastor came up and then began to preach what they called the real sermon. And uh, I learned that what my brother did was just uh, what they call the introduction. So he introduced the, the sermon. And so with that in mind, before, before we read, um, consider this an introduction uh, to the sermon. So just two quick realities that, are, that bookend this passage that really aren't the main thing that Jesus is teaching, but they're also too significant not to mention. Um, so first, in our passage, we're going to find that uh, we need to be reminded of the reality of spiritual problems. Um, that is, some problems, that some of our issues are, are purely spiritual in nature. Uh, so verse 14, uh, now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. So, so there are times when Jesus heals physical ailments um, But here, it's not that the man so much has a physical ailment rendering him unable unable to speak. The man is mute because he has a demon in him that is mute. And so this man's problem is purely spiritual. And so over the history of the church, Christians have had this tendency or been tempted to kind of jump the shark in two extremes on this. Um, One is to say that there are no miracles, right? There, there are no demons. There's no such thing as a spiritual realm. Everything has a physical and natural explanation. And now, yes, it's hard to call someone who holds those views an actual Christian, uh, but that is the view that in what, you know, which the liberal church and liberal, quote, Christians have been holding for years, okay? So then, two, the other extreme is to say, well, well everything's a spiritual problem. Right? Um, that there is a demon behind every diagnosis, every mental or physical uh, issue. And so if you're depressed, or if you're ill, or if you have cancer, or if you, you know, scraped your knee, um, then there's obviously that you have sin in you that needs to be repented of. And, you know, and some churches would even go on what they call demon hunts. We're going we're gonna to figure out what's going on in your life to address this. In college, I had a friend 
who had never even taken a Tylenol because his parents honestly believed that they could pray the pain away, um, pray the sickness away. Okay. Well, here in Scripture, uh, we see that there is not a demon behind every diagnosis. Uh, that sometimes, what, what, actually, the reality is, is that we live in a fallen world and we have fallen bodies and fallen minds. And some of our issues are simply byproducts of the fall, which is why we need good physicians and, and good therapists and all sorts of uh, healthcare professionals uh, to, uh, to fight back against the chaos that is the fall. Um, however, even though there's not a demon behind every diagnosis, sometimes uh, your, sometimes our biggest ailment can be rooted in the spiritual. It, it can be in the soul level. And we can do everything in our power to treat that ailment, and yet there still be sin. There's still something there that's laying siege uh, to our souls, right? And, and so we see throughout Scripture that there is this indelible connection that we can't, we don't always know how to explain, but there's this connection between soul and body. And, and we won't be free nor healthy until the soul has been healed, until that enslaving sin has been addressed. And so some of this passage is Jesus calling us to repentance, to repent and to rest in him, okay? The second thing, this is on the end of the passage, um, is Jesus is reminding us about blessing, namely um, who it is that is actually blessed. And so you see verse 27, as Jesus had said all these things we're about to talk about, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast at which you nurse. Of course, this is a call back to the Christmas story right back in Luke, early Luke, Luke 1 and 2, uh, where Mary was found to be blessed among all women because she was the one chosen of God to bring the Messiah into the world, right? And though there's a lot about Mary that really should be celebrated, and I think we've talked about this, maybe, you know, we fear that some Christian traditions over-elevate Mary, uh, while some probably don't talk about Mary enough, there's plenty to be celebrated and emulated about her life. However, lest we elevate Mary too highly, Jesus ended with this bombshell. He said, verse 28, but Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In other words, Jesus didn't disagree with what the lady said, but it's like he said, what you said is right, but here's the higher truth. The most blessed life comes to those who hear God's word and who keep it, who, as the song we sing, trust and obey, who hear the gospel call and then follow the gospel call in their life. And again, the word blessed in the Bible doesn't merely mean happy. It doesn't promise you a happy life. But to be blessed, as far as the Bible is concerned, is to be the recipient of the divine favor of God. It's, it's to live a life that enjoys God's smile on them. That's what it means to be blessed. And so as we get ready to hear God's word this morning, um, Jesus reminds us that it, it doesn't require a feat of strength to be blessed of God. Uh, it just requires sitting at Jesus' feet uh, and then following him and hearing the, the gospel call of the Spirit. And so with that, before we go to God's Word, could we pray then that the Spirit would empower our souls not only to hear God's Word this morning, but then to in turn keep it uh, this morning as only God's blessed children can. So let's, let's pray before we read. 
Father, we thank you for your word that in a day in which if it wasn't made 10 seconds ago, it's not cool anymore. Um, And yet this morning, we come to something utterly ancient. Um, It's been around a long time, and yet it is just as relevant today as it ever has been. So Holy Spirit, uh, open our eyes to see, open our hearts to receive these words, uh, hide it deep in our hearts, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, this is God's Word, Luke 11, starting with verse 14. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute, and when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of the people said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while other people, to test him, kept keeping kept seeking from him a sign from heaven but Jesus knowing their thoughts said to them every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls and if Satan also is divided against himself how will his kingdom stand for you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul but and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul by whom do your sons cast them out therefore they will be your judges But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when a stronger man then attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Whereas as Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breast at which you nurse. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is God's word. So Jesus gives us three, aside from those two that we already talked about, three overarching realities that aren't just, uh, you know, main points in this passage. But really, this is just three points that's really the soundtrack of our life. It's three things. And here they are. Jesus first asked a better question. Uh, He asked a better question. Second, Jesus Uh, gives us uh, a better hero. Jesus is the better hero. And then third, we find that Jesus promises a better presence. So a better question, a better hero, and better presence. So first, you know, Jesus asks a better question. (laughs) You you know, of all the choices uh, and the decisions that we have to make throughout our life, it can be overwhelming, right? From, um, like, how do you install your toilet paper? That's a big, big topic. Um, do you squeeze your toothpaste from um, the bottom, or, or do you squeeze, like the rest of my family, from the middle of the toothpaste? Right? You know, do you, uh, what type of gas do you put in your car, right? Um, what sports teams do you pull for? These are big, big decisions in the South. Um, where will you go to school? Uh, who, who will you marry? <laughs> what are you going to have for lunch? Uh, who will you hire at your business? Um, farmers, what will you plant next year? What's, what's the best scenario for you? Um, what will you wear to the tailgate? Right? 
You know, we're, we're constantly faced with decisions. And if you're anything like me, it's very easy to get, like, just an analysis paralysis. And, and I love hearing stories about um, these big leaders of huge companies that they, they have so many decisions that they try to eliminate as many scenarios as possible. And so they established just a uniform that they wear. You know, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same type of T-shirt and blue jeans every day. Uh, neuroscientist Andrew Huberman wears a black button-down shirt every day. Like, no thought goes into that. Uh, my granddad, even in retirement, he had a uniform. Uh, Dickies long-sleeve khaki shirt uh, with khaki pants. I mean, year-round. All right. Well, in our analysis paralysis world this morning, Jesus is giving us really the gift of a granddaddy moment. In the midst of all of our everyday choices, he's given us this opportunity to simplify. Jesus says, let, let me give you a reality check. There's really only one question, one choice, one decision that matters ultimately in this life. And, and it's not simply like, do you believe in Jesus? Because we know from Scripture that, look, okay, big deal. The demons believe in Jesus and, and shudder. So it's not simply, do you believe in Jesus? But in verse 23, Jesus implies an even more profound question. It's, it's not, do you believe in me, but are you with me? You know, really, that's the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's, it's to be with him. You know, we're, we're not just students soaking in knowledge, um, but we're disciples, which means we don't just sit at Jesus' feet and learn, but then we, we rise up when Jesus moves and we follow him into action in our lives. And so Jesus said it really is that simple. You know, in a world full of religious white noise, it's, it's him or bust. And so Jesus, he, he doesn't give us the luxury of being Switzerland, just being just neutral. And, and some will say, well, God, I hear, I, I'm weighing my options, I'm thinking about it. You know, when, when our kids ask me um, really about something I couldn't care less about, I usually punt and I say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll see, which means we're never going to talk about that. Okay, Jesus says, look, look, there, there's nothing to talk about. You know, for some of you here this morning, kind of like, eh, that's interesting, I just don't know. There's nothing to talk about. The, the good news of the gospel is the best news that has happened since the dawn of humanity. And so Jesus like, like, what else are you waiting on? And Jesus said, whoever is not with me uh, is against me. It really is that simple. And whoever doesn't gather with me actually scatters. And so he's saying that really in this world there's only two teams and nobody gets to sit on the bench. No one gets to sit it out. Jesus says, if you're not with me, then you are actually actively working against me. So it doesn't matter how charitable you are or how philanthropic. It doesn't matter how many times you've been voted you know, the people's choice. If, if you aren't with Jesus and working in light of his kingdom, then your life is counter to his kingdom. And he says that you're playing for the other team, and life will be a losing game for you. Uh, because we, we know which team ultimately wins, right? So friends, the first question is, are you with Jesus? Not just, not just believing, but walking with him. Because as you well know, doing so will make many things in your life counter to the world and counter to our culture. Dare I say, counter to the Delta culture. So are you with Jesus? So that's the better question. But, but thankfully, Jesus doesn't just ask the question and make you feel guilty. 
But he asks that question, but then he gives us two extravagantly gracious reasons why, why it's better to be with him, to help us answer this question. Which brings us to our second and third point. Second, we see that Jesus is he, he's the better hero. Um, so after Jesus cast out the demon, and no one disputed what it, everybody saw something interesting had happened here. Um, everyone knew that they had just witnessed something powerful. Some of them were blown away, but we see that some of them, they wanted more signs. We're going to talk about them next week. Um, but others, more skeptically, started to kind of question the source of this power that Jesus had. And they said, well, look, uh, he, okay, okay, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Um, some of y'all probably heard the word Beelzebub, Beelzebul, lots of different iterations of that word throughout Scripture. Um, so Beelzebul is a word that in the time of the ancient Near East, it had kind of morphed over time to kind of be Hebrew slang for the devil. That's, who they, that's kind of how they called him, thought of him. It literally means, translated in their language, the Lord of the dung. So that's how they viewed Satan, as kind of the Lord of flies. Um, he just sits on his throne of, of dung. So they say, Jesus, Jesus is obviously not of Yahweh. He is of the devil. And Jesus shut that down, not by doing a miracle, but just by using just simple logic. He said, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and a divided household fails or falls. Um, y'all have seen these, those cute car tags around town, right, that families, like somebody vote, like one part of the family goes for Wake Forest, and one part goes for like Delta State or something, and it's like this fractured car tag, it's house divided, right? And it's, it's, it's cute, and it's fun. But Jesus is saying, look, kind of on a much more uh, deeper level, there's really nothing cute about a, a house divided. Uh, he says no home, no army, no business, no team, no nation, no marriage can survive an internal war. And so some of y'all may remember uh, in 1986, there was this heavily publicized peace march that began in Los Angeles, and they were just going to start marching until the whole world was full of peace. And so uh, they started marching in Los Angeles, and it ended 120 miles later uh, with half of the marchers going home because they were just ticked off at everybody. And the remaining walkers that were there, they were fighting over who got to ride in the vehicles and who had to walk. And uh, they even started fighting about their dress code. And so if even a, a peace march, even a peace march divided against itself cannot stand. And so Jesus says, look, it, it, think about it, if I truly was the Lord of dung, like, why would I dismantle his kingdom? I would be full of more dung, right? Everything I would spew would just be dung. Plus, it says, if, if I'm casting out by, by Beelzebul, what about your disciples? Because there were other Pharisees and disciples of Pharisees that were doing exorcisms at the time. Well, are, are your disciples casting out demons by Beelzebul as well? <laughs> like, are they on Satan teams too? <laughs> are, are all the people who cast out demons actually working for Satan? Of course not. And so then Jesus tells them what's really going on. He says, by me casting out all these demons, it could mean, uh, in fact, it does mean that something more powerful than Satan is here. The kingdom of God is here. And, and so Jesus described his rescue mission like this. Jesus describes Satan as this really strong man. And, and so far, this strong man has had the run of the place. Uh, he's the prince of the world. He's the bully. He's the ruler of this world. 
And so if we simply go with the natural flow of our fallen world, then that's who's going to have us. But Jesus said, All right, but what if, what if someone stronger than that strong man came up? And what if someone came into that strong man's house and wrestled him into submission, tied him up, and then started like plundering all that was his? What, what then? Well, Jesus says, I am that stronger man. I, I am that better hero. And so Jesus wants to see that that's what's, happened when, that's what's happening when demons are cast out. That's what happens when people are saved. So he wants to see that on the cross, Jesus tied the strong man up so he could rescue us from Satan's steroid-induced bullying, right? So that he could loot his people and he could bring us out of the house of the Lord of Dung and into the house of the Lord forever. And you know, if you're in him, and that's been your experience, strong man, he frees you from the strong man, Jesus then invites you, he invites us to join him in, in one of the greatest heists the universe has ever known. The, what we call the gathering in of the harvest. You know, we're like, Christians are like Ocean's Eleven, right? And, and we all have different personality sets and we all have different skill sets. We all bring various things to the table that by God's grace is used to plunder Satan's domain. So because Jesus is our better hero, we are freed and we are empowered to then rob Satan. Um, but as awesome news as that is, there, there's more. Uh, because Jesus isn't a hero that saves the day and then he rides off into the sunset like the classic you know, Western movies. Um, no, no, Jesus, he takes care of business. But then he actually stays and he takes up residence within us, which is our third point and how we'll close. Jesus gives us a better presence. You know, in verse 24, Jesus gives us a, a glimpse under the hood. And if you aren't in Jesus, this, he's offering you an MRI of your soul. Um, this has been your life story. Jesus says, look, it, this, your life can change like it's possible in some areas to get better without God. That there are tons of people who have overcome addictions, who've developed better marriages, who have established better habits without God. I mean, in our postmodern world that is obsessed with the self, you know, we have a, a bevy of self-help books and podcasts and seminars out there offering programs to change without Jesus. Even the Pharisees had a program of change, offering change without Jesus. And dare I say, many churches today offer a program of change without Jesus. It's called moralism, legalism. Um, the reality is, is your life can get better for a time. But Jesus is saying, and, and by the way, we have now 2,000 years of people saying the same thing, that without Jesus, as cleaned up as you may appear, on the inside you will still be empty. And the thing about empty things is they want to be filled by something right and so in this parable or this little small parable um, Jesus says the evil spirit now the evil spirit may leave and you sweep up your life you tidy up things a bit Marie Kondo and but what happens is that the evil spirit at some point comes back and it wants to check out where it came from and if it finds the place to be nice and clean and plenty of room it says I like what you've done with the place not, not only have you put the welcome mat out for me, but there's even room for my friends now. 
And Jesus says the state of that person will be worse off than ever before. And so, you know, our world, I guess, would call that person free, that you're untethered from religion, um, living the dream. But Jesus says that's empty. That's enslavement. And see, all behavior modification alone doesn't cut it. Cut it. I mean, that's why relapse is so common with addiction. Every hobby, every distraction, every way of life is promising to fulfill us and satisfy us, yet our souls are starved. And so how tempting is it, really, especially in Southern Christian culture, to be like the Pharisees, right? And we've got our houses swept up, and we present like immaculate to the world. Like we are what a Southern Christian is. We can do that and yet have no concept of the gospel, by the way. Um, we, 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 everything, everybody thinks so highly of us, and yet underneath the hood, we got a heart so daggum ugly. Like, it's a different story. And so here it is. Here's what our hero came to give us. And one of the reasons why Paul said the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That if you are in Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just clean up your heart. No, the Holy Spirit gives you a new heart, a new identity. You are the beloved. And the Spirit, or the cleaning service, doesn't just clean and leave, but it, it like lives there. It takes up residence within you, which means when the evil spirit uh, comes, when they get kicked out and they try to come back, which they will, they find that you're not the same. Uh, your soul's not the same, that you've got a new tenant in there, uh, and that tenant isn't taking your dung or their dung, their crap anymore. That there, there's no room for that evil spirit anymore. And see, all the doing more and trying harder and sweeping and dusting without Jesus will only burn us out and ultimately leave us more empty. So this morning is an invitation to, to go to Jesus and to truly find him to be your better hero and your better presence. Because salvation and real change is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are our hero and that you are our better, our better presence. Uh, but Lord, also cause us to wrestle with that question. Um, are we with you or are we against you? Are we gathering with you or are we actively like jumping through the, the leaf piles and spreading them out while you're steadily gathering? Um, Lord, cause us to take an invitation or uh, an inventory of our lives. May we see Jesus to be sweet and may it change us uh, so. Uh, not to be swept up on the outside and be looking good. Uh, but also have a beautiful heart on the inside through the Spirit that matches. So, Father, as we come to your table now, uh, we thank you for the opportunity uh, that we get to, to think through that, not just in a headspace, but we actually get to see it visibly through these uh, common everyday elements. We ask that you would take them and that you would set them apart to be a means of grace to your people this morning. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.